Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Kroll, and you're listening to episode 121 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to start a new series of this show. We've done things in the past like Disney This or That and Marvel This or That, which have started these little mini spinoffs of Imagineer Podcast. We're going to start a new one today called The Mouse and the Music. It's an idea that my cousin Mike and I had over the summer and wanted to try because we're both not only huge geeks when it comes to Disney, but also really big music nerds. And so you've heard Mike on the show before. He's covered a number of different Disney subjects with me. Mike also is a music industry expert. He works in the music industry. So we thought this would be a really great opportunity for us to get together and talk about the music at the Disney parks and resorts. In particular, this sort of mouse in the music uh, spinoff is going to start with volume one, focusing on our favorite Disney attraction soundtracks. The music of the Disney attractions is incredible. We've talked before about our favorite area music at the Disney parks and the Disney attraction themes have come into a few different episodes before and other conversations, but we're really going to sit down and focus on the various Disney attraction soundtracks across both Walt Disney World and Disneyland. And this conversation was so extensive that, of course, it's not just a one-parter, it's a two-parter. So in this episode, we'll cover part one, some of our first favorites. We're going to go park by park. We're going to cover Magic Kingdom and Epcot in this episode. And then in part two, we're going to cover Disney's Hollywood Studios, Disney's Animal Kingdom, Disneyland, and Disney California Adventure. Before we get started, I want to give a very special Thank you and shout out to our sponsor, WDW Magazine. You can learn more about WDW Magazine's print and digital editions and even get to read some of my articles because I'm an author of WDW Magazine by clicking on the link in the show notes of this episode or by heading to ImagineerPodcast.com. The end of the show, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer Podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So, grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Welcome to this first installment of The Mouse and the Music. This is an entirely different type of podcast episode. It's going to sound very familiar to some Imagineer podcast episodes before, but it's the first time that I am co-hosting a podcast, and I thought this would be really fun to do. We'll talk about how this came about. For those of you who already know me and might not know me, my name is Matthew Kroll. I am one of the co-hosts of The Mouse and the Music, and I also wanted to introduce my cousin slash co-host, Michael Zimmerlich. How are you doing, Mike? Good, thanks. Thanks so much for doing this. You know, we talked about this for a couple of months now, and it was after being a joke 
right? Yes. That we were just kind of joking about how, like, those morning sh show uh, co-hosts and how they, like, kind of riff off of each other. And we thought, how fun would that be if we did something like this and we combine some of our passions and our professions together to make this? Yes, I knew this would be the perfect thing for us to do. You're right. It totally started out as a joke. And when we were texting back and forth about it, it started to sound less like a joke and more like, hey, maybe we should try this. And ready, right now, I feel like we're we're very much scrappy in, in thinking about this this episode and this this whole concept of the podcast. So listeners, bear with us. This is our first time doing this, and uh, we're just going to have as much fun with it as possible. But I do think our backgrounds are perfectly suited for this, which was part of the background of the joke, but then part of the background for why this is a serious discussion. Both of us have a back, somewhat of a background in music. Your, your background in music, Mike, is much more extensive, of course, than mine. And of course, we both have a lifelong love of Disney, which You've been a guest on the show before, so many of the listeners on Imagineer Podcast already know that. But I I guess I'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about our music background. I'll start with mine, only because it's much shorter. So I grew up with a love of music. My parents definitely instilled a love of music into me when I was very young. I was listening to a wide range of different types of music. And my family actually does come from... A music background as well. In fact, my grandparents' generation, my grandfather wrote music and played piano. And so I remember having some of his work around and we had a piano in the house and my dad would occasionally play my grandfather's music. And I grew up playing a little bit of piano, kind of self-taught self piano, but really played trumpet from the time that I was in third grade all the way through the end of high school. And so I really enjoyed learning more about the all the all the different aspects of music um and and getting the chance to perform uh live you know nothing nothing too serious but perform in middle school and high school and elementary school um since then i've really not played anything but have continued to uh, listen to a wide range of music and i always try to learn as much as I can about music as well. Mike, your background is much more extensive than mine, so why don't you talk about your music background? Sure. Uh, so for myself personally, uh, so a little bit of background history of myself, my family is also deep into music as well. Uh, in fact, my uh, mother and father met in elementary band. That's how they met. And uh, my father uh, is... Uh, is basically is your is your mother uh basically they they're they're related so your mother is related to my father so they're brother and sister so um so my father and my mother met in elementary school and when it came when i was about five years old right when kindergarten started they uh hired a piano teacher and i started taking private piano lessons because i knew that music was very important and they wanted to have me experience that at a very young age and then when it came time to picking an instrument for school, obviously I could not choose the piano because you can't really take the piano with you. So it came down to the trumpet and the clarinet because my mother played the clarinet and my father played the trumpet. And so they let me try both of them. And naturally, I chose the trumpet. Solid Which, choice. By the way, I, I don't think I've ever asked you, was you choosing the trumpet because of me? Because I, I had a couple of years on you. You know, I don't know if it was. I, I, I should say yes, just so you feel flattered. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it is, though. I, I feel like 
I it could you could have had some influence on me. My dad did not play trumpet in school. He played French horn. My mom played violin. So I don't I know it was not from either of them. And yeah, I I don't I don't remember what the decision was. I do know that I was always interested in drums. So I think that would have been my first pick was percussion. And my parents did not want that. So they said no to drums. And I think maybe because of that, I went to trumpet something, something else. It was uh, just an appealing instrument. But yeah, I I can't remember the the exact reason. But I'm glad I did because it it led into wind ensemble and jazz bands and a lot of opportunities um, with. uh, Yeah, it's just such a fun instrument to play. Absolutely. And I, I loved playing the trumpet so much. And same as you, I was doing marching band and ensembles and uh, jazz bands and basically anything that I can get my hands on. In fact, I was so passionate about music that originally I thought I was going to be a music teacher. I really thought that was going to be my career path. And it wasn't until senior year of high school that I realized I had a passion for entrepreneurship. And so after that point, I wanted to start a company, but being so interested in not only just music, but entertainment in general, I knew I wanted to do something in entertainment and I also ideally something in technology as well. So I did a couple of ventures here and there. Um, you know, there, we had like a, I created a website with one of my best buddies where in, uh, musicians could upload music um, onto our website and we would host our own internet radio stations, which... If that sounds familiar, you know, it's basically was like what Last FM and Pandora were back in like the early 2000s. So when they got super huge, we realized that we can't compete with these guys. So we wanted to do something different. And my business partner, my buddy said, well, what if we started a record label? Which I knew what a record label was, but I had absolutely no idea how it worked. So I said, sure, because that's of course what you're getting to say when you're an entrepreneur. And... Uh, that's how it got started. Got a couple of books, read them. One was on music law. One was on record label marketing. Went through both of those books. And from there, uh, that's how the record label, which is called 8020 Records, was formed. And uh, that was over 13 years ago now is when 8020 Records was formed. So we you know, work with all kinds of artists from alternative to, to hip hop to electronica to rock. Like you name it, we've, we've probably been involved with it. And um, so, yeah. And then ironically, you know, coming full circle here is a, a little bit over a year ago, I was thinking about doing a podcast. And a lot of that was because of you, Matt, because I've seen how much you've done over the years with the Imagineer podcast and how much I admire what you've done. And circumstances came into place where I, I was coerced into doing a radio spot didn't want to do it, but I said, okay. And people commented on the radio spot and said, you should do your own podcast. And these are like complete strangers that just found me at a show that mentioned about uh, the radio spot. So I said, why not? And that's how the 8020 show got formed, which is a podcast that interviews all different people in the music industry. So everyone from uh, obviously musicians, but also music journalists and radio hosts. In fact, Matt, I had you on as a guest because sometimes I'll just throw the, throw people that I want in there just because I want to. Uh, so um, that was fantastic. That was a great conversation um, about the or- origins of the Imagineer podcast as well. So, uh, yeah, that's, I guess, the uh, the shorter version, if you will, of my back history. Yeah, I know it's very complicated and involved. And and uh, your experience is, 
uh, hard to boil down in just a few minutes, but it's a it's a very good summary. So this, I think, is going to be a lot of fun because I, I do believe that having your music-focused podcast and my Disney-focused podcast and now merging them together, there's a lot of music within the Disney space that warrants an entire series, and we've covered the topic on Imagineer Podcast before, but this is really us geeking out about both subjects, and especially since Disney music has been uh, an integral part of our lives growing up, you know, we're we're both pretty much in the car together at times listening to Disney music, especially Disney park music. So I think starting with the most iconic or some of our favorite Disney attraction soundtracks or theme songs or however we want to think about it was a really great place for us to start. So I think maybe we should just jump in and I, I, I am anxious to hear what your answers are. I believe there are going to be a lot of overlaps, but I knew the best way for us to approach this would be going park by park and thinking individually about each each part of Walt Disney World and Disneyland. We are focusing this conversation just on the U.S., so if you're thinking about Disneyland Paris or Tokyo Disney, Hong Kong Disneyland or Shanghai Disney, which have their own unique attractions and songs as well, we're not going to be focusing on that. We're just going to be focusing on the domestic parks. So let's start with Magic Kingdom. I We could start with Disneyland, Fair. but I figure That's we'll start with Walt Disney World. We'll start with Magic Kingdom because um, I think that was probably, in both of our cases, one of the uh, the first parks that we went to growing up uh, as kids. So I'll, I'll let you go first, Mike. What's the first one you have up on Magic Kingdom's list? Okay, so Magic Kingdom, classic, classic park. I'm glad that you decided to start with this one. So for me... Okay, so one of the other, I had a number of rules I had for this list. And one of the rules is, first of all, this is my favorites list. So it's not going to include all the attraction music from these parks. It's just oh, the ones no. that are near and dear to my heart. And second of all, uh, mo- I'll say most. Almost all these attractions I've also witnessed in person. Okay. So I thought that was important as well. It's not like I heard it somewhere else and then not actually experienced attraction. I only made one exception. And there's a big reason why, which I'll get to in a second, of which one that is. Okay. But everything else, though, and there's only one exception I made. But everything else in this list are attractions that I actually did in person with the actual original versions as well of this music. So that was very important to me. So I'll start with the, since we're starting with a classic park, I have to start with the classic attraction, which is... Uh, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow from Carousel of Progress. So for me, uh, I mean, first of all, that's one of those songs that I don't care how many times that song repeats. I love it every single time. I never get tired of it. And it it is written by the Sherman Brothers, which you know are you know pretty much like they are the the grandfathers of you know composition for Disney. I mean, they're the original guys. They are. I. They wrote a lot of music, which their name is going to come up a lot on my list as well. And this is one that was developed, funny enough, for a sponsorship. You know, there's. It was the 1964 World's Fair that this this attraction was developed and this song was developed. And the I've I've told this story on the podcast before, but 
Walt wanted a song attached to the attraction. It was a common theme that he wanted for his original attractions, in many cases, to have some song to help explain what it was about or to drive the story. And this is one where you think of an attraction that, yes, it's focused on progress, but at the end of the day, it's meant to sell GE products. And that's really what this spot that's and that's GE paid for this attraction. Disney. You know, Disney had no bill associated with the attraction. It was paid for by GE, so you'd naturally expect there'd be some sales associated with it or some product product placement, which is why in every scene in the original version, you won't see it today, there was GE pretty much everywhere. You know, the GE refrigerator and the, the GE light bulbs and the, the GE dishwasher. It was everything. And the song Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow was driving that idea of progress and how throughout the years GE and and other companies and individuals drive technology forward. And when the attraction was moved to Disneyland, they kept the song there, but then they decided to move the attraction to Walt Disney World in 1971 when the park opened. And GE suddenly realized or was saying to themselves, the idea of Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow doesn't help much with sales today. So they changed the song and the Sherman Brothers came back and changed the song to uh, Now is the Best Time of Your Life to encourage GE sales today. And then after the sponsorship ended in the 80s, they switched, I'm sorry, the early 90s, they switched it back to Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, which is at the park today. So I find that to be, uh, when we think of iconic songs at Disney, we think often of songs developed for the attraction focused around this, you know, focused around the attraction itself, which this is too. But it was also developed to sell GE products, so I thought that was uh, it's a really it's a really great choice. It is a park classic, but I find the history of it to be a, a rather funny one in in the Disney space. Absolutely, and it's amazing. And by the way, I did not know that, so that's really interesting um, that they they decided GE wanted to change it because they don't want to think people think about tomorrow; they want people thinking about today. And uh, but yeah, but you'll see that a lot in not only just attractions, but especially music in general, that it is many times designed to help sell something. So that's a lot of times why that uh, composers are hired is specifically for that reason. One of the things, though, that I really appreciated what the Sherman Brothers did is that because of the attraction itself is highlighting different decades and the progress has been that has been made in each decade, that they the style of music also represented each of those decades leading up until quote-unquote current time and <laughs> now it's you know now it's no way no longer current time but you know basically you, you know late 90s if, if you will um up until that kind of era so that's something that i also really appreciate about the the music of that attraction for sure uh, i'm actually gonna gonna stick with the sherman brothers and switch gears to what was their first song written for the disney parks which was the Enchanted Tiki Room, and in particular, Ooh. the Tiki 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 Room. This was written by the Sherman Brothers as well, as I mentioned. It has been at the parks and remains the signature song of the attraction since opening day. It's one of the longest-running songs at the Disney parks. And I love the fact that, you know, the Sherman Brothers had worked with Walt before. They had developed music for movies, but this was really their first Disney Park song that they developed and the song was called The Enchanted Tiki Room. I'm sorry, the the attraction was called The Enchanted Tiki Room, but Walt at the time had it in his studio and was trying to figure out how to incorporate it into the parks. It was still under development and 
he brought the Sherman brothers in, and Richard Sherman tells the story better than I do, but essentially brought the Sherman brothers in, showed them what it was, that, you know, they had the tiki birds, they had everything, and at the end, Richard Sherman said, it's great, Walt, what the heck is it? And he said, you guys are going to write me a song that's going to explain all this. And so they, on the spot, thought about what it was, and they liked the word tiki, and Richard Sherman talks about the word tiki being a great song and lyrics, and on the spot came up with the name, the Tiki 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 Room, and Walt said, that's great, let's do it, and then went and wrote the song, and if you listen to the song, it really does explain what the Enchanted Tiki Room is, it's the introduction to the show. So this is one of those cases where it was developed to further the story, not a sponsorship involved, and just to kind of explain what the show is. And it is one of the biggest earworms at the park. You leave that attraction and you're definitely singing along with the with uh, the Tiki 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 Room. Um, and to this day, I mean, I've heard it hundreds, thousands of times, never gets old. So another absolute classic, the other side of the Magic Kingdom, but also written by the Sherman Brothers. That's a really good choice. And that's something else that will be a recurring theme in some of our choices, I'm sure, is Walt loved to... Uh, put people into very interesting positions, let me say that way, where you basically encouraged and coerced them into uh, doing something that was definitely outside of their comfort zone, whether it's coming up with the song with having no idea what the actual story is, or in some other cases, people that are going to write music that that wasn't originally what their position was, which will... I'll get to in a second what that is. I have a feeling I know where you're going. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, for me... Uh, I would say the next one. Okay, so this is the other one I have my list. And also to uh, full context is that there are some obviously attractions in both Disneyland and in Magic Kingdom. So yes. I did kind of split them up a little bit because of that reason. That's but, fair. Uh, for this one in particular, and I'll, uh, is the one exception that I had in my list that I did not actually experience in person. And that is uh, the song is called Making Memories. And it is the pre-show to uh, an attraction called Magic Journeys, which is the precursor to Honey, I Shrunk the Audience and a bunch of those 3D uh, Captain EO and all those attractions. That was like the original uh, 3D film that they had. And the reason why I had this on the list is that not is not because the fact that I didn't see it. The reason why I know about the song is that it's a very reminiscent to uh, both of our childhoods, actually. And that the song is this super catchy, like honky tonky kind of a song about taking, you know, taking images and the importance of taking images. And it just happened to be included in this CD. And there was a a number of them that came out of classic Disney songs. And a lot of them featured uh, attractions. So uh, both of our families did this when we were uh, younger is that almost on an annual basis, we would drive from New York all the way down to Florida, which is, I think... I think in contract, it does say, like, if you are born and raised in New York, you have to, you know, go to down to Florida to vacation. I think it's somewhere in there. But <laughs> it's uh, on the birth we, certificate. It's on the birth certificate. Right. And so we would go down to Disney World and on the way down, we would play that CD, especially when we get closer to Florida, like not the whole way, but definitely like when we we're getting about to go into Disney World, we would play that CD like ob- like obsessively and religiously, like every single time we go down there and so we would listen to the same exact songs over and over again to get us psyched about getting to the parks and that was one of the songs on there was making memories so for me 
literally the song's about making memories and that is my memory is listening to this song like while going into the parks um especially on the first day going into the parks it is a really great choice there's two songs that were developed for that attraction both for uh both by the sherman brothers so making memories was one of them and then yep that's like the title yep yep uh, magic journeys was the the title of the show and the title of that song and it yeah i i don't remember that show i don't know if i saw it as a kid but i definitely remember the song from those trips going down to your point and listening to that cassette tape back then and then eventually on cd yeah and uh yeah so i have you're right i've developed a lot of memories from from listening to that tune so there's another one too that's from our memories as well and i'm pretty sure by the way that we know neither of us experienced it because i'm pretty sure magic journeys like i i mean like because captain neo was was in the 80s so i mean i would have been extremely young at that point in time and i you know you you may not even been born yet when they made that change so i'm not sure exactly when magic journeys ended but definitely was like right around right around that time so we would definitely been way too young i don't even i actually went back and watched it and i'm like i don't remember a single thing of this so but the other thing that was part of our childhood though was that song was also included in the disney sing-along songs Yes. VHS tapes. Oh, you're so right. The the Disneyland sing along. <laughs> yep. And I remember watching those uh, because, uh, you know, our families were really tight knit. So, uh, you know, myself and my brother would go and visit you, you know, your family, you and your sister and, and your folks uh, almost like almost literally on a weekly basis, at least once or twice a week. And so one of the things that we rewatched cons- constantly were these Disney sing-along VHS tapes. And what's great about them is that they're, you know, they're children's tapes, but they were incorporating music from the attractions into this whole video about, hey, look at us in the parks and having a good time. And uh, it was that, that was actually probably mine, I'm sure yours as well, of first experience actually seeing something from Disneyland. It was because of the Disney sing-along song tapes. And I remember I've always... for forever for years wanted even though we would go to disney world every single year i was always curious about like this magical land of disneyland that was on this other side of the country so um that also brings back uh fond memories is because of those uh vhs tapes the disney sing-along songs i distinctly remember seeing the matterhorn and wondering why we didn't have that at magic kingdom in that disneyland uh that disneyland tape uh roger rabbit uh riding riding matterhorn and uh the other thrill attractions that was that was a really fun tape i've gone back and watched it on youtube because it's been it's been uploaded to youtube i no longer have the vhs player so that's the only way i can really watch it these days um you know there's a lot of different ways to go and i feel like there's a lot at magic kingdom we have been focusing exclusively on the sherman brothers so far i'm gonna hold off on one that you might have but there's two that are in the same category of you talking about someone writing music who was not originally a musician and uh that's that person is exitensio who wrote lyrics to a couple of famous songs and partnered with george bruns walt had even said that when he when he tasked X to or Xavier Atencio, he went by X for short, 
when he had tasked him to write music, he said, well, I, I don't write music. And so he partnered him with George Bruns, who wrote really the, the music itself. And X developed the lyrics for a couple of these songs. I'm going to go with Grim Grinning Ghosts um, for my selection. I know you probably have both of yours, uh, both of these, these two partnered on two big ones. Um, so I'm sure you have the other one on the list as well, maybe for Disneyland. But Grim Grinning Ghost is one that most people assume was written by the Sherman Brothers because it is such an earworm. And they think about, if they know Disney history, they think about a lot of big attractions. I'm not going to name a few more that they wrote, but things like Making Memories and Enchanted Tiki Room and, and uh, Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow with Carousel of Progress. But Grim Grinning Ghost is a great one. And this is not really one that furthers the story that much, but I think is a lot of fun. Uh, and it does kind of tell the story of the Haunted Mansion a little bit, but it's still one of those songs that to this day is still played at the Haunted Mansion, you know, decades later. And it's exactly in the same form that it's always been in. I love the fact that one of the lead vocalists is um, Thurl Ravenscroft, who has done a lot in Disney history and a lot beyond Disney history as well. But he's got that iconic, deep bass voice that, um, you know, he was the voice of Tony the Tiger. He he did the, uh, you're a, green, you're a mean, mean, mean one, one, Mr. Grinch. Mr. Grinch. <laughs> I know, so you have that the deep the voice, grim, grinning ghost. Yeah, you have that very, very deep voice. It's so, like, you when you hear that, that voice, you know who exactly who that is. It's a exactly. very, very iconic voice. And if you don't know who he, what he looks like, well, you can see him on the Hannah Mansion, too, because when you pass by those busts, the singing busts, the one that looks kind of like Walt, everybody says looks like Walt. He has the mustache and he, he kind of looks like Walt. That's actually Thurl Ravenscroft. That's not Walt Disney. Um, and he is truly singing along with the other busts. Um, so I, I love that he's not only his voice is heard, but his face is seen in the Haunted Mansion. It is in the Disneyland video that we watched as kids growing up. It was on the cassette tape. It's still played uh, on, you know, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, CDs, everywhere. Um, it's really transcended generations. So, um, and again, it was not a Sherman Brothers hit, but George Bruns working with Exitensio to develop this song. So that's one that was on my list for sure. One, one of the things also that I really appreciate it is that that song... And and even doing that ride, does this if not hundreds of times now. I don't. You don't always think about it. That song's actually with you that entire attraction, from the time that you walk in, to the foyer. You know, in going in, you have the. It's basically a funeral dirge version of that song that's slowed down, and it's this very creepy and spooky ominous sound to it right which you don't really think about grim getting ghosts because it's very nice you know it's up you know even though it's still minor it's still upbeat and fun and things like that too but they actually do that in the, like in the very beginning and then even you know as you're going through the rye when you hear the organs playing it's also grim grinning ghosts it's just another variation of it so that ride it literally through from start to finish is giving you that song the whole way through but just variations off of it you know, this is going to make me geek out about another music that's not a soundtrack and it's not a theme song. So it is diverting from our topic here. But I have also talked about this on the podcast before. A lot of people love the Space Mountain queue in Walt Disney World. And not a lot of people realize when you walk in, you have a theme song. Um, it's really uh, it, this I consider more cue music because you don't hear it on the ride. But 
um, you do have this this theme song that plays at the entrance to Space Mountain, and then you go through that famous star tunnel that everybody likes. You know, it's passing by the windows or the stars going down the ramp, and not a lot of people realize that it is also playing the same song, um, just in the same style of of Haunted Mansion, adapting it. And it is it's not slowed down, but they remove almost all the instruments and replace it with just. I actually don't even know what instruments you used for that part, but that everybody loves the Star Tunnel music. They could listen to it all day long. You know, there's like four hour loops you can find on YouTube. It's just I think like a two minute song, but um, that's another example of Disney uses music in attractions and in cues through to tell stories and to transition you and that really is done intentionally because tomorrowland tomorrowland traditionally the background music is very um like up tempo and before the modern version it was a little more jazzy and um and uh so the space mountain entrance music had that same style of of sort of a little bit jazzy a little bit up tempo changing the style of music a little bit, changing the genre a little bit, but then to really make you feel like you're going into space besides just the visuals and to make you feel like you're now going away from Tomorrowland to keep that same theme. So you're still thinking about Tomorrowland, but then change the instruments um, and change the, the overall feeling of the song um, just by, by removing a lot of the, the, the instruments that are used and now quieting it a bit um, and making it feel a little more somber and quiet like you're going into space and then you remove it completely and now all of a sudden you have these more spacey eerie sounds it seamlessly transitions you from that Tomorrowland's upbeat tempo jazz music um without you really having to think about it or having that jarring experience of like oh here's one song and oh now this is a completely different song um so i think that that's just another example of a time when disney does that extraordinarily well absolutely it's so amazing when how much thought they do put into the music and really making sure that it not only blends with the attraction itself and the story they want to tell, but blends with the surroundings uh, as well so that you're eased into it. And um, there's uh, another point I want to make for another attraction uh, that also covers this as well. Go for it. Do you, well, no, this is a different I, park. So, okay. We, all right. All <laughs> it's right. a different did, park. Did you have anything else at Magic Kingdom? Well, technically, yes, but I think I want to save it for Disneyland anyway. Okay. All right. I know it's it's probably very similar, and I'm sure anyone listening who knows George Bruns and Exitensio is... Uh, you could probably is figure it out, but I, yeah. I, think we should, I think we should jump to a different park unless you have another one that Magic Let's Kingdom. Let's do it. No, the only... I, I want to give a special shout out just to Country Bear Jamboree. Um, a lot of the songs that are there um, are, for the most part, I think, come from other places, but... Um, Bear Band Serenade, which is the sort of theme of, of Country Bear Jamboree, was also developed by George Bruns and Exitensia, but it's one of the the more lesser known ones that's a lot of fun. But yeah, I'll 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 save um I'll save any other mentions uh, for Disneyland. So let's jump to Epcot. And I went last, so let's go to you for your first one here for Epcot. I feel like okay. we're gonna spend a lot of time in Epcot. Oh <laughs> my gosh! Epcot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Epcot it's our, yeah, it's both of our favorite parks. And then oh gosh, the music. So all right, um, okay. I well, I have to pick this one. So the top of my list is. New Horizons from the attraction Horizons, which uh, the writers of that, uh, what the writer actually is George Wilkins, who also wrote Living with the Land. He also did Food Rocks, as well as uh, other attractions like uh, Test Track, as well as California Screaming. 
And uh, so, you know, obviously extensive history with Disney um, back when, you know, Horizons created all the way up until, you know, basically the late 90s. So, you know, what that's an, such a gorgeous song and uh, Horizons, and I mentioned this before on the Imagineer podcast, but Horizons is still to this day one of my most favorite rides. Um, definitely, on, at least on top of my list. It's so such was such an immersive attraction not only from the visuals but also from the music too everything from the cue line and uh having that song being played within the cue line without the lyrics in it um leading into the actual attraction itself and you know how they incorporate it into the actual ride and then of course um the full song at the end of the queue as you're uh as you're leaving um going through the exit so to me that's a song that's always near and dear to my heart it it really is uh a uh, an attraction that I miss. I often talk about the fact that if it were up to me personally, I would have kept it. But knowing the decision to replace it with Mission Space, I do feel was the right decision. And not everything, you know, I don't take things at Disney personally. If they change it, it's for satisfying a different guest preference or a different guest need. And I feel like there's plenty at Epcot that satisfies my old-time geeky nostalgic epcot side so mission space which also by the way because i don't ride mission space i'm often sitting outside listening to the area music waiting for my party it has gorgeous area music so if we're talking about music while nothing will come close to george wilkins new horizon theme song the area music i think i like more than horizons for um for mission space it's just beautiful um and uh, it adds something to Future World, so that's I uh, I have to have to agree with you. And they have a Mission Space as a theme song as well, um, but it's technically played at the exit, so it's yeah, kind of debatable. Different. It's a little debatable yeah. if it's a ride ride soundtrack. But um, yeah, I, I I knew you were gonna go with Horizons. I mean, if you weren't, I was going to for sure. But I I have to uh, actually go with because we've been talking about a lot of really big popular ones. Um, I'm going to go with a completely obscure one that I'm sure is not on your list. Um, World Showcase has some fantastic music and there's some big ones that we'll probably talk about, but the one that is not spoken about that has a gorgeous score and is with you the entire time is the score to Reflections of China. Um, Ooh, I was really not expecting of, that one. That was, I know. I know. That was a good one really out of left field totally different but when you look i mean you can you can take or leave reflections of china it is a dated show whenever you go to see it it feels very dated um i still enjoy going to see it it's really a beautiful show but what really makes it amazing is the soundtrack and you can find the soundtrack if you do a youtube search of actually you know where it is they have it on uh the official disney album i believe one of the more recent ones so if you even go on apple music or spotify and search for Reflections of China, you'll find it. But it was written by Richard Bellis, who is an American composer. A very, very odd mix of of movies that he's done. So he's done. Uh, he wrote the music to Stephen King's It, like you know the the. <laughs> That's perfect. The like, can you imagine them going like, okay, we need a composer for Reflections of China. Oh, we can get the guy who did the soundtrack for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did that. He did um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He did like one episode of that. He did uh, he did just like a, a really, if you look at his his mix of, of work 
that he's done. It is very it's a very interesting mix often for TV movies or like single episodes of shows or the occasional cult classic like it. But um, no, he wrote the soundtrack to Reflections of China and it he's not, um, you know, I don't believe that he if I haven't gone done too much research on him but um he was born in pasadena so unless he spent a lot of time in china um you know he's not necessarily a chinese composer but he did a great job of incorporating traditional chinese instruments into this soundtrack and making it feel distinctly chinese um and whether or not you're a fan of chinese music um traditional you know folk music in china it is a really beautiful um score um so it was, again, an obscure one, but when you think just about music, it was one that I had to make sure it was on there because I knew that otherwise it would get missed. So very weird out of left field choice, but I wanted to I'm make glad sure that, that you mentioned that. And like uh, that's why I'm glad that we're going back and forth, because Reflections of China, honestly, is not an attraction that I usually do. You know, it's not one of the ones I think about. I know that's what, what we both have attractions that we both are like okay these are must do's we every time we go to disney these are the must do attractions we do and then they have the outliers right where like there are certain attractions that i love to do that um that you don't want to do and then vice versa there's attractions that you want to do that i'm not really you know i can either take it or leave it so um so that's really good i'm glad that you've added that to your list yeah it's uh it's not even my first choice or my favorite soundtrack in world showcase but um, or my favorite, definitely not my favorite attraction in World Showcase, but if you extract that piece, it is beautiful. So anyone who's interested, you don't want to go and do the show, just go and listen to the soundtrack because it is a, a beautiful piece. Um, I actually have a lot in both World Showcase and Future World, but like, you know, what's funny is that next? I don't have that many in World Showcase, and it's funny because because so I'm glad that you're kind of helping fill out the rest of the park. Because maybe maybe I'll let you stick to to Future World, and I'll stick to World Showcase things. I mean, there, there's one there's one that's in World Showcase, and I guarantee you know which one. I it already is. know what it is. Yeah, yeah, you already know what it is, and we'll we'll definitely talk about that one. But I will say for myself, I'll go back to Future World for a second, and uh, the next one on my list is uh, Energy, You Make the World Go Round, which is the theme song, the original theme song for Universe of Energy. And yes, I do remember the original attraction before Ellen's Energy Adventure. Um, so uh, that definitely very much counts. I actually remember hearing the song and the entire finale sequence um, actually is still ingrained in my head uh, to this day. And uh, that song, I uh, absolutely love it. It's not to get too punny here, but it has high energy. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> fun go getter song. Um, and that was written by Al Kasha and Joe, uh, Joel Hirschhorn. And what's interesting of those two is that they are, they're definitely a, a duo and they wrote, uh, co-wrote a number of, uh, of soundtracks, including Pete's dragon, which is the Disney tie, but they also done the Poseidon adventure too, back in the 1970s. Very interesting. I did not know that. I, because probably I'm older, I, I still remember those classic songs from Universe of Energy, but I really liked the Bruce Broughton and uh, Ellen's Energy Adventure theme. I thought he's his name has become synonymous with Future World and other parts of Disney. He has done a lot of modern Disney soundtracks, so I really like his work. Yes, I, I mean, the, the, the original songs for the Universe of Energy um, were iconic and amazing, but I really like the updated, uh, or, you know, the, this is now an extinct attraction, too, <laughs> the, the updated, updated Bruce Broughton um, score I really enjoyed. 
me too and i i do really appreciate it um so uh, every time it, it's it's fun it's bouncy it's adventurous so uh absolutely love that as well um also one of the things that i do want to mention about ellen's energy adventure as well is that at the very end of the attraction also during the finale they do a little nod uh to the original theme song the announcer voice says this is the oh this is brought to you by energy energy you make the world go round and made that part a slogan as part of the the verse of the song and i thought that was a really a cute way of of having a little nod to the original version so uh yes totally agree with you i loved uh the you know the soundtrack to ellen's energy adventure but for me the, my favorite is the iconic the original iconic song that is super super catchy absolutely i i don't <clears throat> i don't blame you at all um you know what? You're going with uh, extinct attractions. I'm going to go with one that is a classic that's still there. And it's one of the few... I think it's the only one on my list for Epcot. Yes, the only Sherman Brothers song on my list for Epcot. You know where I'm going. It's uh, One Little Spark from Turning Into Imagination. I love that it's still there. It's not the exact same version that we hear on the soundtrack version of One Little Spark because it's originally sung by Dreamfinder, who's not a part of the attraction today. But whether it's the original or the modern version, here's the thing I really like about the modern version is of the attraction is that, yes, in the original version, fun fact, Sherman Brothers wrote the theme song and George Wilkins, we talked about from New Horizons, wrote all the variations for the attractions so the different scenes that you go through he adapted the sherman brothers music the sherman brothers one little spark tune to fit the various scenes throughout the attraction oh interesting i really like i actually don't know who did and i should have done my homework on this one who did the modern arrangement for one little spark i was gonna ask you the same thing yeah i i don't know i didn't do do my homework yeah yeah um but I really like the modern arrangement because it, it carries with you throughout the attraction. It starts with the, it doesn't start with the introduction, but then it does start with the hearing labs. Um, as soon as you sort of hear the train pass by, the lights come back on and Figment starts introducing um, for every sound your ears are hearing, a thousand thoughts can start appearing. Um, and then starting to talk about how sound impacts the imagination and then sight and then smell. Um, and then we eventually get to the end and then we hear the traditional variation of one little spark, sort of the ultimate conclusion. And a lot of Epcot fans from the nostalgic Epcot days, the original Epcot days, love the fact that that's there. Um, Eric Idle does a great job singing it as the moon. Um, but, uh, it's, it's really, it's one of those that has stuck just like every other Sherman Brothers song, but it has stuck to Epcot and to the collective consciousness of Disney fans. So Absolutely. I had to make sure that was there. Despite the fact that, you know, it's not the original attraction, uh, is I thought that this was a really like they they knew their missteps they made and they did bring back something that was truly classic about the attraction, but then gave it that you know, essentially that fresh coat of paint to make it make sense to the newer version of the attraction. I thought that was a very, very smart move on their part. And I thought it did, it did a fantastic job because that song is is a timeless song. It's, it's you know, it's super bouncy and catchy and fun and in, inspiring. So I was really glad that they brought that back and then incorporated it into the various different scenes of the ride. And of course, like you said, the the fanfare ending of, of the original version that really, you know, brings back those memories, but also creating new memories for... For uh, children who are seeing this attraction for the first time, so 
Uh, totally agree with you. Um, I was going to ask you what you thought about the updated version. I'm very pleased with the updated version as well. I'm very curious on who actually wrote those because they did a fantastic job keeping that same feeling and style as the original traction did. For sure. Music might be one of the best parts of the the modern version of the attraction. Oh, totally. No question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No question. I still laugh when they say a skunk is not a rose. That's how you tell a skunk is not a rose. It's so silly, but it makes me laugh every time. It's it's an important distinction. It is an important distinction. All right. So I'm going to now move on uh, outside of uh, extinct attractions. Uh, Well, okay. It's not extinct attraction, but the song's not really used that much anymore on the attraction, but I'm still counting it. And that is Tomorrow's Child that was originally from Spaceship Earth. And uh, that was done um, by Ron Ovadia and Peter Stugard. And honestly, I did some research into the two of them. I couldn't find anything about them whatsoever. (laughs) So I cannot give you any kind of interesting little facts, fun facts about them. But I love that song. Um, Also a song that is played um, mostly at the end of the ride, especially the the lyrical elements were done at the end of the ride. And uh, also a truly beautiful, beautiful song and uh, very, very inspiring. So that one also is a, has a special place in my heart. Yeah. It's uh, it was a great theme song to spaceship earth. Again, another one that was now, how the, the, the Tom was passed to Bruce Broughton to write the score for the modern version. Um, and I do really like the theme and the score to spaceship earth right now. Um, Me too. it's, it's not tomorrow's child, but it's, it's really a beautiful piece. Um, so another, another one we can thank Bruce Broughton for, I will jump back to world showcase. I am going to leave the one I know that you want to talk about to you, but thank go you. with the, <laughs> But I've, I've probably got some stuff to add. Um, I am going to go with the Our Neighbor to the North and uh, the Canada Pavilion. I knew that was going to be on your list. If you, had, <laughs> if, if you had China, I knew you were going to have Canada, oh, Canada as well. I have like everyone on my list for World Showcase. But <laughs> this was my mom's favorite song um, from Epcot, Canada, You're a Lifetime Journey. It's bilingual, which is great. It's in both English and French, kind of paying homage to the... Uh, Canadian culture and the bilingual nature of of Canada, especially in in you know Quebec is really where they speak French. But um, I love that aspect of it. This was one that was written by Bob Moline, who has also written a lot for Epcot. He wrote, you mentioned George Wilkins wrote a lot of the music to Living with the Land, which I love his music and Living with the Land. But Bob Moline wrote Listen to the Land, which was the original song for um, for this. And I'm sure you're going to talk about uh, another one, a World Showcase that he wrote, but um, he wrote it and the original version was beautiful and charming and really sounded like 80s Epcot if it were still around today in its original form I'm sure people would feel it feeling a little dated um feeling a little bit more like 80s ballad but they kept the same song and adapted it for Eva Viola, who was one of the Canadian Idol winners and she just hits the ball out of the park with this one i get chills every time i hear her sing canada your lifetime journey i have no canadian heritage i have you know I, i've never lived in canada i don't know i know a few canadians i don't have any family members who are canadians and still i walk out of there like pro- almost like i'm a proud canadian for some reason um just because she does such a great job of delivering that song and i'm like i want to be a canadian now it's just <laughs> 
<laughs> which, um, yeah, it, which, which is like, hey, that gives you a lot to, to that song if it makes you leave there and wanting to be a part of another country <laughs> based upon that one song. Yeah, like, or to, to joke about Martin Short's version what, at the end of, of O Canada when he says, you know, uh, so just, you know, exit, hook a, hook, a, uh, hook a left, you know, go straight past that big silver ball and kept heading due north. You can't miss it. So heading to Canada. Um, it does make me want to travel to Canada. So absolutely. But yeah. I am also still very much proud of our own country, the United States. And uh, of which, course, which brings me to my next version, which is uh, actually there's a couple of them on my list for this one attraction. So the attraction is the American Adventure, which had a feeling you knew naturally. It's and, on my uh, list too. Is uh, I'm sure. And uh, so there's uh, three songs in particular that I had on here actually that I wanted to point out. Uh, so I'll actually start with the. I, I won't start with the most uh, you know the most known one, but uh, you mentioned about X before, and. So the song New World Bound, which is in the very beginning well, about the pilgrims, that was actually written by by Exotensia. I love that you're going to you're going to talk, you know, about a few songs here, but I love that a lot of people think that this was an old like an old song written in colonial days, but it wasn't. It was no. a modern Disney song. Yeah, it was written and that uh, for the specifically this attraction and the same, second one too, which also I had no idea. I really did think that these songs were just recorded from these these older songs but they were specifically written for the attraction and the other one which was really interesting was two brothers that was also written for this attraction and it sounds like you know an old civil war folk song and that's because it was written to be that but it was it was specifically written for the attraction and that was uh written by irving gordon and looked into him and he has an incredible history he's actually writ uh collaborated with uh amazing amazing artists everyone from duke ellington to patty page to billy holiday like this this man has done so much and uh so i thought that was really really interesting um that they brought him on board with all this you know you know working with these legends to to do this folk song for you know basically for this attraction in a theme park basically yeah it's a great it just shows that disney's storytelling again and their ability to write music well and hire the right people to write this music you can convince anybody that i think most people if you survey them at the end would say oh you know that must have been a colonial song or a civil war song but you're right it's they're not they are written for the attraction so um yeah that's that's really uh, amazing and i'm glad you did the research to see who wrote them but i know you want to talk about bob moline's golden, golden dream and the, <laughs> the, you know the titles like the main song of the entire the thing the theme yeah. of the entire show um and uh you know they're there are two songs on this. Uh, well, I don't say the other one's a song, but there's two attractions on this list that I think every single time that I listen to it, whether I'm actually there or listening to just listening to it on my headphones, that I can't help but cry. And Golden Dreams is one of those on is one of those songs. I mean, it is such a majestic, beautiful song written about the United States, and it, it truly makes me proud to be American every single single time that I hear it. Um, and I wanted your opinion about the updated version because they did, it actually went through a lot of different variations over the years and uh, to the most recent version and, um, and there's some tweakings along the way. So uh, I actually pretty happy about the um, most of the changes they made. I think 
um, I think it was like the second to last one. It was like, I think my ultimate favorite one. I think they really knocked it out. But then they kind of made a little bit more changes, kind of modernized a little bit more, which to me got a little bit more on the vanilla side personally. Um, so I, I, my favorite, if I was going to pick the ver- the versions of them would probably be second last, even from the original. I think that, um, especially when they incorporated the, the nine 11 footage in there, like the very first time they did that, I think to me, like, that was like to me that's my far my my most favorite and most impactful version you know the the new one it both of them or all of them fill me with the same tears and chills and i talked about it in another episode actually that this was one of the top things at disney that bring me tears or you know these chills down my spine all in a very positive way and the fact that they added to the end sort of like tagged along because now since the last since they had updated it there was more history that happened and they needed to incorporate more people and they also started to incorporate um you know like a lot more modern celebrities and there's even a a, and 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 i shouldn't say celebrities but modern creators and and inventors and so you even see the um you know like elon musk and um mark zuckerberg and Who's next to them? I can't remember. Three, three. There were three people, but it's Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and somebody else. I can't remember the third person. They've it's going to bother like, me. You know, Steve Jobs. They also added uh, George Lucas yes. in there. Yeah, that's my favorite one. The Steve Jobs, George Lucas, sort of the ties into. Yeah, Disney. that was great one. That was great. Yeah, um, but because they added scenes, Bob Moline had developed this perfect song for the attraction that was timed perfectly for the end montage. Now they needed to extend it, so. It almost feels like when I listen to the modern version of Golden Dream, the end of it feels like the end of um, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King extended version. It's just like <laughs> it's just a like never-ending oh, finale. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is the end. No, no, it's coming. Okay, okay, cool. We got some more going on. Okay, this is the end. Great. Oh no, no, we still got cool. All right, we got some more going on. Okay, now we're done. Oh wow, we were we're getting now another one. <laughs> exactly i mean go back yeah. and listen to it again you, you get it's that true. like that last minute it's just like all right like it's just it's dragged out and it's still beautiful and it's look it's it's made to fit in with the and still keep which i'm glad they did keep the original song but it's kind of obvious that they did extend it so that's the one the one thing that's a little off about the new version but otherwise i love the the vocals um and i think the uh who wrote who sings it it's the um i have i've written down and i can't find it uh oh it's uh tim davis and sophia pizzullo are the Mm -hmm. singers for the modern version and it's it's gorgeous so yeah i really i really enjoy all the versions but a really solid one on the list so i'll bring it back to you matt what uh what else do you have on your list for epcot you know i have i have a lot i can go with um i'll i'll give one more um and then i'm gonna maybe include an honorable mention in here and there's one i'm, I'm done with my list by the way so okay you can, yeah so you can do that in an honorable mention that we can you know venture to the next park okay i'll you know what? i'm just going to give you two honorable mentions and then we'll jump into the next one because really impressions de france um a lot of people again assume that these are french classical pieces and they are but they're not they are French classical pieces that were adapted by Buddy Baker, um, who actually wrote the score to Impressions de France, utilizing a lot of the classical French pieces. Um, but it's a really, it's a really beautiful score. So 
that's on there. One that's unknown. So if anyone listening knows, please tell me. Um, but the score to Awesome Planet is also a really great score. Um, I've tried to like, I have to go and Shazam it next time I'm there or something, but I can't, I can't figure out who wrote the score for that. I feel like it actually came from some National Geographic, um, or Disney nature films, but I couldn't place where they came from. I tried listening to soundtracks, couldn't find it. Um, but that was another really great one. So, um, otherwise, you know, except for, you know, we didn't talk about the, interestingly songs that come from films like Caesar Demo and Friends, the Thomas Newman score, Grand Fiesta Tour, um, coming from Three Caballeros and Frozen Ever After. Um, but you know, those were not technically developed for the parks. But anyway, let's um let's head to Hollywood Studios. Um okay. and some of a- these are gonna get a little bit smaller for me. Like Epcot's my favorite one. So some of these parts I only have I just like I again I wanted to be very specific about And with that, we close out episode 121 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you enjoyed the Mouse in the Music volume one. And I want to, of course, give a special thanks to Mike for coming onto the show and trying out this new podcast series with me. I had a great time chatting about Magic Kingdom and Epcot and our favorite Disney attraction soundtracks at those parks. Part two next week is going to cover Disney's Hollywood Studios, Disney's Animal Kingdom, Disneyland, and Disney California Adventure. I, of course, want to turn this conversation over to you and hear what your favorite Disney attraction soundtracks are or Disney attraction themes from the Magic Kingdom and Epcot. You can send me your answers and feedback in so many different ways. You can, of course, reach out on social media and send me your answers in a direct message or in a post by just tagging me or, or tagging me in your stories or in a post on your feed. You can follow Imagineer Podcast and reach out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm oh, sorry, TikTok and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast. Twitter has a different handle. That's Imagineer News. And you can join our Facebook group, The Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community to talk about this subject with me and with other members of our listener community. If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast app, which will ensure that you're the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And if you have a few moments to leave us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store, that goes a long way to help this community out. It especially lets anyone know if anyone searches for Disney and finds Imagineer Podcast. It gives them a heads up of what they can expect before they hit that play button. And I'll often share out uh, some of the reviews I see because I do re- I do read each and every review that I see. Um, I'll often share them out to my Facebook and Instagram stories. Perhaps the best thing you could do for Imagine Your Podcast is a very simple thing, and that's to share it. Whether you share out this episode or any other episode of the show, talk about us on social media, or perhaps if you just talk about us with your family and friends who love all things Disney, I really do appreciate those of you who continue to support and share out these episodes of Imagine Your Podcast. 
And if you'd like to take your love of the show to the next level, you'll definitely want to take a look at our Patreon group, which is over at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is a way that you can help to support the show financially, and in return, you get exclusive benefits, perks, and rewards. Things like early access to every podcast episode, bonus podcast episodes, access to my podcast production notes, access to a private Facebook community. We also have weekly Disney Plus watch parties, virtual private events, and so much more. You can learn all that's available because these terms and conditions are subject to change to change depending on when you're listening to the show by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. And I want to thank the more than 100 of you who are part of our Patreon group. I would also encourage you to take a look at our partners. First, take a look at The Kingdom Insider over at thekingdominsider.com and The Kingdom Insider on your favorite social media channels to get the latest news about what's happening in the world of Disney, both at the Disney parks and resorts and beyond at the Disney at the Shop Disney, at uh, Marvel, ESPN, all those favorite places, all things Disney. Um, and they also confirm news with disney before they post it which is one of the things i love about them um and again you can follow them at thekingdominsider.com and the kingdom insider on your favorite social media channel and when you're ready to book a vacation to walt disney world disneyland Disney, uh, it's not Disney Vacation Club, uh, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Aulani, Adventures by Disney, or any other Disney destination that could include staying at the Disney Vacation Club Resort Hotels as well. You want to look at our travel partner, Academy Travel. They are a diamond earmarked agency that's the highest level of distinction at Disney Awards to travel agencies. can help to alleviate a lot of that guesswork and planning out your next Disney vacation and their services are at no additional cost to you, which is such a great benefit. You can request a free quote from them by clicking on the links in the show notes of this episode or by heading to imagineerpodcast.com, clicking on the travel dropdown and selecting your destination. If you fill out that form, and I'll send you to a form, if you fill out that form, they will get back to you as soon as possible with a free quote for your next Disney vacation. Last but not least, I want to encourage you as always to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals, whatever they might be, to write them down, especially now that we're heading into 2022. Definitely write down your goals and set out the action steps you will take to make those dreams a reality. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Universe.
the bridge Did you find 